think it will. Yeah, okay. Well, it is recording, and it's moving forward. So that's, uh, that's good. All right, so um, we'll uh, start today with a, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and um, look forward to what you would have for each of us in your word. And we pray as, as we track along this uh, journey of um, intimacy with God, stilling our hearts for intimacy with God. Uh, we know that you call us to be still and to know you. And um, so we pray that the, the understanding word of God as it is communicated today, and the experiences that are shared today would be edifying to each and every one of us. We pray, Father, that you would use what we learned today to glorify you in and through our lives, not just for ourselves, but for those, Lord, that uh, we love, and for those, Father, that um, you would put in our path, um, whether that be today or tomorrow or whenever. We just ask that you would ready our hearts and our minds to share the truth of Christ with those um, whom you have um, superintended. Pray, Lord, that um, uh, we would be alert this morning, and uh, pray, Father, that all that we do, all that we think and say, uh, would be for your glory. And we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, good. So, um, just to kind of summarize again where we're at, um, stilling our hearts for intimacy with God, and, and our, of course our core verse that we started out with in this module was Psalm 46.10, which begins with, be still and know that I am God. The context there is the nation of Israel facing um, an opposition that was that was much, much more than they could ever think to handle. Um, and uh, that was Sennacherib's uh, army. And, uh, and God, without a sword raised from the nation of Israel's hands, um, took that threat away and uh, destroyed that leader. And so uh, that's really the context of that psalm, which really brings to light what it means uh, to be still and to know that I am God. And of course, the, the whole idea here, um, and our premise, is that um, in the heart realm, the disturbances that we have in our soul is, um, are disturbances that we are captains of. In other words, any unstillness or any disquietedness or any, any, anything that is, we would consider noise in our soul, that is anything negative, in essence, um, is from our thoughts and our beliefs. So, so we said that we are the captains of the noise in our soul. And of course, that everything, as far as the noise is concerned, anger, anxiety, worry, all these kinds of noises that come up in our hearts um, stem from unbelief. And the core of that unbelief we found in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which basically <laughs> says that... Um, uh, the truth of God, who he is, and what he's like, is displayed, right? Is displayed in his creation. You have uh, Psalm 19, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork, right? Day to day, night to night, there are words, there are his voices. 
So, so his creation um, displays his glory, and in every human being, God has put in the conscience of every man, woman, every, every person, this, this innate drawing to him. I'm not going to say it's a salvation drawing, but it is a recognition that God exists and that his glory is, is magnificent. It's huge. Because if Scripture says, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, if we're looking, as an unbeliever, if we, if we look at the heavens and we don't see his glory, that's not because he's not manifesting himself. That's simply because um, we're so calloused by our sin, the sin in our lives. So we, we have this consciousness that God has given to every human being that, that gives them this ability to recognize the glory of God and to turn to Him, knowing that there's something missing here. But as you move on in that chapter, it describes what our sinful nature um, is, is always trying to do for us. And it's not a good thing. It's always trying to replace the truth with what? A lie. A lie. That's what our sinful nature is compelling it, it compels us to do. And of course, this whole idea of, of our thinking, what is reality? Well, reality is whatever God says is true. Whatever God made to be true, that's what reality is. It's not a fantasy. It's not uh, something that uh, you know, we sort of conjure up in our, our minds and our thoughts. It's not 95% it's not truth and 5% error. That's, that's not true. So whatever God says is true, that's really what reality is all about. So this whole idea of our thoughts and our belief system basically hey Dave, um, drives, drives um, the unbelief and it, creates this noise. Yes. And Sam, wouldn't you say it's apart from circumstances, right? No matter what we're going through, the noise is apart from it's what we, where we settle in our belief. Right? I mean, it's not, circumstances don't drive it necessarily. I right. mean, they drive it in a way, but not really. I mean, we have a choice that we can make, right? Yes, the truth cuts through anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it absolutely cuts through any circumstance that you can have or be a part of. No question about yeah, that. Yeah, always just, I always have to go back there, no matter what you're going through. Right. That noise is still right. my noise. <laughs> yeah, right. So... Yeah. We talked about the unmasking, so we, we attempted to unmask this noise, which eventually we came to understand is simply unbelief. Uh, and uh, because we don't believe the truth, we're replacing it with something, our imagination of God, it may be, right? And I talked about this book, Shattered Dreams, which in essence is a, uh, it's a very practical, uh, not an exposition, but close to an exposition of the book of Ruth. And he talks about Naomi and the, the, the trials that she went through. And, um, and, and, he, and he talks um, oftentimes in the book about personal experiences and other people's personal experiences um, and, and trials that they go through. And those trials, um, of course, James says, count it all joy. When you're going through the trials, you're really struggling to understand, you know, where is this joy coming from? But God, God replaces this, this uh, uh, humanistic happiness with his godly joy as we go through these trials. So, um, 
after unbelief and you have this, uh, this noise in your soul, there's this uh, discontentment that settles in. And discontentment basically says what? God is not enough for me, right? What he says and what he's doing for me, that's just not enough. And so uh, with this discontentment uh, comes this uh, covetousness. And of course, we're talking, last week we began talking about this whole idea of contentment. And contentment is uh, the aroma of what? What did we say contentment was the aroma of? We, we, we're reading um, a book that everybody got. Humble. Um, okay, humility, right? Humility. Right. So, humble. Yeah, humble. Very good. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, we try to find uh, a place for these words. Where do they fit in terms of the priority and importance, all these kinds of things as it relates to specific doctrines in the Bible? But this whole idea of humility... Um, is, is, is the core or the root value uh, of, of all of the, um, the fruits, if you will, of all of the virtues. Humility is at the very root of all of those. And an and, and aroma of humility is contentment. And we began to talk about contentment and uh, the fact that contentment was, uh, was not something that just showed up. In other words, uh, I, I guess a good... A good comparison would be um, when you get saved, right? At that moment in time, you are saved. That can never be taken from you. So you have that salvation. Well, um, I would say that contentment doesn't necessarily occur immediately. In fact, the Bible, as we learned last week, teaches that we learn contentment. In other words, it's, it's part of the maturing process of a believer. So when you look at a person and you say, well, that person is godly, one of the characteristics of that individual is contentment because they've learned over a period of time through trials and so on and so forth that, um, um, that contentment is, is, is learned. So we talked about the title of... Uh, um, Last week, finding that God is more than enough. Finding, we need to find that God is more than enough. And of course, um, the doctrine that we talked about specifically was the sufficiency of God. Okay, But I, I said that we weren't going to dig into just the doctrinal meat of that, but we were going to, the other side of the coin is our response to that, which is being content. So we talked about the excellency of contentment, um, where... Uh, the Apostle Paul taught that godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Um, so there is certainly a maturing process um, of that. And we considered Paul's testimony in light of the present circumstances. Those circumstances were Paul wrote that letter to the Philippians, right? And we went to the book of Acts and we sort of uh, mused over what Paul was, uh, was going through in the book of Acts in chapter 16 when he was jailed, right? Um, and uh, in Philippi, and of course we talked a little bit about what does that mean to be jailed, to be having your feet and your hands in stocks, and uh, that, that, was, that was not um, a very pleasant experience at all. In fact, the ankles and the wrists were put in positions that were extremely uncomfortable, 
and, uh, and basically did not allow you any comfortable position to be in. And of course, we read in that passage of scripture that he and Silas were, were what? Around midnight. They were, they were singing. They were singing and praying, and all of the prisoners were intently listening to them. And of course, the result of that was God answering in a miraculous way, and of course, loosening, uh, loosening all of those um, uh, jail doors and uh, all the stocks. And the Philippian jailer ultimately um, was saved, him and his household. And uh, sort of just kind of imagined uh, as this letter was being read to the Philippian church that maybe that jailer was part of that Philippian church. And, and, and was able uh, in front of people to say, um, listen, I have seen with my own eyes this man, the Apostle Paul, and the, the contentment that this man actually had. I've seen him go through it. So there's certainly a maturity that goes along with that, um, um, that godliness, which includes um, a great gain, which includes um, being content. So uh, we talked about the, the excellency of contentment, the essence of contentment, uh, and of course um, that we described as uh, contentment not being passive resignations. In other words, we don't talk ourselves into this being content. That's not, that's not what God is communicating in His Word. So it's not something you can talk yourself into. Um, it's not a passive personality. Some people are born with very passive personalities. I know from my own personal experience, no offense, Anthony, but uh, my kids were not, uh, were not passive personalities. I didn't have one of the four were just did not have passive personalities. Very strong-willed kids. And, uh, uh, but there, there, are, there are some folks and some friends of ours that we know uh, that just have some kids that are just, they're just born that way. They're just very passive personalities. That's not saying that, you know, we don't sit or anything, but just extremely passive. It's not what contentment is. So it's not passive resignation. It's not passive personality, but it's learned. It's grace-enabled. Um, it's a void of covetousness, and it, there's a stillness in the soul. Um, so we talked about the sufficiency of God. God is more than enough. So discontentment, as we see here, uh, means that we are denying the absolute sufficiency of God. We are, uh, it also means discontentment, that we are denying the uh, response of absolute surrender to God. So, uh, and of course, the way down beyond that is just despair and hopelessness. So, that's kind of where we, we left off. And uh, let's pick up um, on the enemy of contentment. So, what is the enemy of contentment? Anybody? Everything that's not... Trusting God. It's, uh, okay. Everything else. Good. Yeah. Pride. 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 Pride is the root of unbelief. Very good. We always want something that we don't have. Okay. What do we? What's the word? What do we call that? Um, the, what you have to cover. Covetousness, covet. right? Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. So covetousness. Hebrews thirteen five. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. 
Um, so the enemy of contentment is covetousness, uh, and the root of covetousness, again, is simply unbelief. You know, the, the further we get down the path in these modules, the simpler and simpler it becomes, it seems like, because everything relates to unbelief. You know, our thoughts, our belief system drives, really, the peace in our hearts, the peace in our souls. And when we have that, uh, that, that, that discontentment, that, uh, that unstillness, that noise in our soul, um, know that that's being driven by some form of unbelief. So the question you continue to ask yourself is, what am I thinking? How, do I, how did I get here? Why am I thinking... Why, why do I have this worry and this anxiety? Okay? And of course, it, it, it all comes from, okay, what are you doing with the sufficiency of God? Is God more than enough for you? What are you doing with the sufficiency of God? What are you doing with the power of God and those teachings? And we'll learn, we'll learn more about that. So the root of covetousness is unbelief. So give me some examples um, of falling because of covetousness in the Bible. David. David, okay. Solomon. Solomon, okay. We're yeah, we're learning. <laughs> learning about uh, we just learned about David and learned about Solomon. Who else? I mean, what else? Well, Paul talks several times about people who deserted them, deserted him. I'm sorry. Yes. Because they whatever wanted to go back to what the world had to offer. Yes. Very good. Yeah. That's good. Hymenaeus and um, I don't remember who the other one was. Yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Samson. Samson. Very good. Yeah, boy. You know, unbelief. You know, there's lust. I mean, huge noise in his soul. Eve. Eve. There you go. Yeah. Very good. Adam and Eve. Covetous. Covetousness. Anyone else? What about Lucifer? <laughs> there, there it is, right? He will be like the Most High. So there was something in his heart. Israel fell over and over and over again. You know, covenant, uh, things of the world. Um, you know. There was always a. There was also a rich man that came to Jesus. And Jesus told him, you know, you lack one thing. And he turned and walked away with a heavy heart because he was very wealthy. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is, uh, you know, some folks will completely misunderstand that and say that in, in order to be right with God, you have to sell everything, right? Mm -hmm. what, was, what was unique about that? that command that God gave him. It was it was for him personally. Mm -hmm. We we've talked about, you know, you know, not everybody has the same struggles, you know. I mean we all kind of generally speaking have this struggle and that struggle and we can see I can relate to that. Or, you know, but but there are chinks in my armor that are different than Dave's, that are different than Anthony's, that are different than everybody else's. Okay? And and there are things that God knows about me personally that he knows I really need to grow in. And, and, and <laughs> she's saying amen. <laughs> right. I think we'd learn that too. You know? <laughs> right. So um, God knew this man's heart. He knew exactly what was keeping him from the kingdom of God. 
hey, God knew what was keeping me from the kingdom of God. So, so when I was, we were talking about Houston, Texas, and the, and the weather there. So um, when I was walking from that convention center to my hotel room, and I ran across this poor, old um, woman who was homeless, who was laying up against a building um, as, as I walked back to my hotel room. And I, and I had such anxiety in my soul because I saw her and I didn't, uh, I took money out of my wallet and I gave it to her and she couldn't even reach up to take the money. That's how sickly she was. Either that or she was a great actress, I don't know. And uh, I bent down and I gave her the money, put it in her hand, and she just said, thank you. She took my hand, she said, thank you. And I can remember, remember her eyes. She, they were the yellowest eyes I had ever seen. And, uh, and I stood up and I walked away and I had this, I, I never in my life experienced this kind of anxiety that I had in my soul. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm walking back to my hotel room, what in the world is going on? I don't, I don't get it. I, didn't, I don't understand why I'm so emotional about this, this event here. This was just something simple. I've given people money before in my life, right? Uh, homeless people. And I got back to my hotel room, and I was so filled with anxiety that I just broke down, and I wept. Literally, for a long time. I don't remember how long it was. But I remember when I was crying, I just cried out to God a number of times, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? A number of times. It was the most sincere, honest prayer that I had ever prayed my whole life. I grew up in the Catholic faith. And I prayed, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of our fathers and unfortunately Hail Marys and just, um, just things that are not um, true. And, um, and, and, but that was just a genuine prayer. And then when I was done crying, I just stopped. And I was like, well, that was just so weird. But I, 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 I genuinely wanted to know God at that point in time. And then a couple weeks later, I was listening to the radio. I think it was Moody. I don't remember who I was listening to. But I heard the gospel, and I got saved driving in my car. So God used that woman and that event in my life because he knew that's what I needed. Go figure. So the point here is that God knows what we need, and, and he's, he's going to make sure that, um, that we come around, and that we, we close that, that hole, that, that chink in our armor up, and, um, and put on the full armor of God. So, you know, and it's not just, you know, the scriptural fallings that we talked about or read about. I mean, churches fall because of covetousness. Do marriages fall? Because of covetousness, absolutely. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is death. It is death. It's sin. So, uh, the root of covetousness is unbelief. Um, uh, if God is the main thing, and there's a word that you can write in there, if God is the main thing in your life, you don't need anything else. Nor do you want it. He's He's more than enough. If He's the main thing in your life, you don't need anything else, nor do you want anything else. And I want you guys to come up with this word. If God is not enough, then blank will satisfy you. If God's not enough, then nothing. Nothing. If he's not enough, nothing will satisfy you.
you'll just go from whatever, goal to goal to goal to goal, and it just will not satisfy. And, and part of my testimony coming to know Christ was, was that. It was, I'd reach a goal and be like, okay, there's got to be more. I'd do something, okay, there's got to be more. Something, you know. It wasn't this, it wasn't that, it wasn't, it wasn't money, it wasn't accomplishing certain things, it wasn't, it wasn't getting married to a beautiful woman, it wasn't even having a child, you know. All those things were like, okay, this is going to do it, this is going to do it. <laughs> it didn't satisfy. And um, so if God's not enough, really nothing will, will, will ever satisfy you. So that is, uh, that is the, uh, the enemy of content, contentment, which is covetousness. And then the enjoyment of contentment. How, how do we go about being content and enjoying it, really, sincerely enjoying it? Uh, the first is that we need to know uh, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So we need to know that God is good. And it's not just intellectually. We need to, we need to know it, every, every part of that. It's intellectually, it's experientially. Uh, and I'm, sh I'm certain, and stop me, that you may have something that the Lord's laid on your heart that's like, you know what, um, there are things that occurred in this part of my life that I just didn't understand. Or there's something that I was really not given over to God for a period of time, and uh, I, I just, I refused to do that. And then somehow God worked that out in your life. You got right with Him or whatever, and... Uh, and you really look back and you, and you have an Ebenezer to raise, to, to look back to and say, there is um, uh, that, that, that altar of glory that God gets in my life. So, you know, feel free to share if you, if you have something like that. So we need to know that God is good, Romans 8.28. We need to know that God is all-knowing. He is all-knowing, Luke 12.30. For all these things, the nations... Of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Can you be content and ambitious at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The definition of ambition and what it is is what okay. levels that out. Okay. Right. That's, if you're ambitious for your own glory, it's not going to work. You're going to end up right back in the covetousness. Right. For your own glory. That's good. I'm going to go through a couple of passages, several passages of Scripture. Listen to these, and, and, um, and this will really help to solidify this in your mind. Um, everything that I heard was right, but th there's a matter, there's a pattern that you begin to notice when you, when you ask the question, can, can I be ambitious and content at the same time? Or can I be content and ambitious at the same time is the question. Because this was brought up last week, right? Pasquale, was, he brought this up and he's like, I don't, you know, how, do we, how do we reconcile this? Because the world tells us, you know, keep going, keep going, keep moving forward. Don't be content with anything. Those kinds of things. Um, so, Matthew, Matthew 12, 
23.12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Listen to the pattern of what God gives us relative to the question and the scripture that we're reading. 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? James 4, 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Let each of you, Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. James 4, 2. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain. We already read that, I'm sorry. Matthew 23, 5 and 7, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for, them, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor feasts at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Do you see there's a pattern here that, that continues to come up over and over again? And I'm just going to read one more here which is a continuation of the passage that we read in Luke originally. Okay, but this is Matthew 33. Um, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the question is, can we be content and ambitious at the same time? So it, there's a pattern of what? A priority. What is your priority? When God tells us to seek Him first and His righteousness, He'll add what? He'll add everything that we need to us. So, when we were reading those passages of Scripture, their priorities were all mixed up, right? They were, they were, they were, they were opposite. It was them first, right, and not others. I'm going to esteem myself, right, first, better than someone else, when, when it's really the opposite that should be occurring, it's, it's seeking your own gain first as a priority and not God. So those kinds of things. And I just, I share this uh, with uh, those who were here, and I'm not trying to embarrass my son Anthony here. Uh, but, um, yeah. I want, I want to read this because to me this is, uh, is, is the epitome of this. Okay. So, back on February 11th of this, uh, of, of last month, um, Anthony is um, uh, attempting to, um, to be a pararescue um, special operations uh, individual in the Air Force, okay? And um, I, I, I'll let him describe that maybe after class. Um, the rigor that you have to go through is uh, frankly very similar to what Navy SEALs go through. In fact, I would, I would venture to say that their water comps that they have to go through are, are more difficult than what the SEALs have to go through in terms of water compositions. 
Um, and in essence, what it would, and I don't mean to minimize this, in essence, what he would be, uh, will be Lord willing, is um, a special operations combat nurse. Um, and uh, it's more than just a nurse. He's cutting things and cutting things off and sewing and all these other kinds of things in the middle of uh, harm's way. And so um, he did everything, uh, and he's prepared himself mentally, physically, um, beyond the benchmarks that are required. Uh, he, all of his paperwork was done, and their selection process was the same, okay, up until he came to find out February 1st of 2015. Something changed. And, uh, and the, something that changed, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, was um, uh, uh, everything was okay. The commanding officer wanted Anthony uh, absolutely as part of the program to go through the training. And, uh, and then there was another level of decision that was added, which included the rank of other people. So in other words, rank... Um, was another thing that was considered, regardless of how his performance has been, um, a sergeant would have preference over him. So this was... Uh, it was taken away from special operations. Like, special operations chooses you, the, the CFM for the rest he picks you, and then he understands what big blue and different parts are. Then the big blue says, okay, now we're going to now we're going to So... It was, uh, I, I would use the word devastating. I mean, in my heart, you talk about, you know, anxiety and worry and those things. Uh, it was, it, of course, we're as parents, you know, you're praying for your children all the time, more than just once a day. So we're earnestly praying for this. Our community group is praying for this. And, and you know, I get this text from Anthony about, uh, and more than a text, he actually called me. So we talked about this. And just encourage them to say, listen, you've done everything you can. you planned your way. You've absolutely done everything you can. This is completely in the Lord's hands. It's, it's, it's out of your hands. It's out of you know, anything else. So I just want to read to you uh, some text messages that he sent, okay? He said, the horses may be blind, but load the cart. Um, that's my mindset. Until I'm denied, I'm moving forward, right? This is, this is part of... This is the, this is, hey, I'm working, I have that ambition, God hasn't closed the door, this is what I believe, and I'm moving forward, okay? So that's, that's one. Of course, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything but probably crying when I, when I got all these, and I'm just saying simple words like, amen, <laughs> amen, right? So, and he says, uh, if I take a break now, I'll never know peace. If, in other words, if I stop now, I'll never know peace. The way to know peace is to stick it out. Just, just, just keep moving forward and, 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 and see what happens. And I said, yep, I agree. <laughs> and uh, he said, trust God. He's got me this far. Uh, he said, it's, it's not good if I don't get selected, but it's no fault of my own. Okay? I mean, this is, this is, this is what ambition and contentment sort of mean together. Okay? And then, and then his last one to me was, I know I was put on this earth and given certain talents to make a difference in the world. I believe it's through becoming a PJ. If not, it's simply God's showing me there is another path for me. It will be hard to accept. Still don't believe I will need to accept it either, but I will be able to learn to accept it at that time 
For now I press on toward becoming a PJ. See that, to me, that's the epitome of what does it mean to have ambition, to work hard, but to be content. You know, that's, 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 that's a wonderful uh, testimony, I think, to sort of defining what that, what that really means. So if you guys have any questions for him. I think we have to be careful to keep it as a phrase rather than one word. Christian contentment rather than just contentment. Yeah. Yeah. Because so many disciplines preach contentment. Yeah. Yoga will teach commitment. <laughs> Yoga will teach you to be content in what you're doing. But it's a different level. Christian contentment digs deeper and goes down to the foundation, changes that foundation from me to God. Yes. When you're building on that different foundation, now you're a different person. Yeah. And it, it's a totally different world then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're talking about, and I, I, when you're talking, I'm going back to, you know, David uh, teaching in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, it's about our stability, you know. Christian contentment is is a stable, forevermore contentment because it's in God, and it's in His power, it's in His sufficiency. It's not in our sufficiency. It's not in our power because we're going to fail eventually, you know, in in all things. So good. Miss the echo on that. It, you know, it's uh, so to the. I, I appreciate that. I mean, the, yeah. Christian, the Christian, you know, contentment, it has a purpose, and it has, it's a journey. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, like, what is this mission? It's clearly marked out for us what that mission is. And I believe that, you know, this, like what we've been talking about here, it's not a, like how you started saying, it's a passive type of, it, it is no way. There's, and... I think Kai and I share one of the most favorite Bible verses, you know, is in Luke 9.51, where Christ steadfastly sets his face to Jerusalem. And in that verse, it is a complete turning point of Luke's gospel. And, and it's like his, he turns from Galilee. He's no longer, it's not Galilee anymore. It's Jerusalem to die. And so with that, that purely captures this focused mission and contentment in what God purposes to do. We don't always know. And so what could we know, you know, what's ahead in there, but I think that, that is it helps in there is, is that we do have to turn God does turn us and at different different points as we find ourselves looking back, looking this way and that way, and not to the specific mission that it's that's before him or what he's going to accomplish with that. To me that is this contentment as you've described it, because it is it is very focused <laughs> yeah. and intentional. Um, ultimately, as Nick said, you know, I am not a part of that first. <laughs> Seeking God first and all that would come with that yeah. um, is sort of a, the secondary things that come. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. And it's somewhere I can't get to on my own. You know, I mean, I think it's supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it says we get to know him more. Yeah. You know, that, that he, he just draws us. 
I think I'm, that's something in my head right now. Yeah. Know. Very good. Very good. And then, <clears throat> I don't want to say the end of the story is told yet, but this weekend he got a phone call from who? Anthony? Was it commanding? Well, my buddy called me because my buddy put in the same. We were both on the team together. We, we came in originally and did that, and then for different reasons between the two of us, we didn't you know, make it through the first time. So uh, he called me and said, we weren't supposed to find out until they have from the 10th of this month to the 20th of this month to tell us whether we got selected on Friday. But he called and said he had checked his, his military email. He went into work to check and that he had gotten an email saying he was selected. And there were only three slots left. So now I knew there was two slots. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and I, I don't have uh, my military, like a cat card. You have your smart card. You know, I don't have that that reader at the house. So I, was, I was all like, oh, no, I wait till Tuesday. <laughs> and so I, uh, I went online and found the, the AFPC like phone number. You know, so I called them and I and, you know, asked if I could check my retraining status and they, you know, get your social and all that. And they, they were like, yeah, you got to accept that. I was like, yes. And then I went on the AFPC website after I called and got like a separate, you know, special login so I don't have to use my cat card. And there's uh, one slot left now. So, but that's just because someone else hasn't accepted their slot yet. So there's actually okay. zero slots so left for their rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's, that's and now, you know, the question comes up, you know, he was ready to be selected. If the old decision-making process was maintained, he would have been, and, and then this happened. So, you know, God knows what we need in terms of our faith, right, and trusting him. So he caused this in our lives to occur, you know, and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, I just praise the Lord for that. That's so wonderful. Um, Okay, and the enjoyment of contentment. Know that God is good. Know that God is all-knowing. Uh, and then Genesis chapter 32, verse 10. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and all, uh, all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. So know our unworthiness. Um, really know where we stand before God um, in this whole idea of loving kindness the word loving kindness or loving kindnesses, um, uh, specifically in the Old Testament, refers to God's covenantal love, okay, for us. Covenantal meaning His His promised love for us. I know it sounds a little unlovely, but it's like a decision. In other words, He promises to love us to the end. You know, and uh, and so this idea of we're unworthy of, of this covenantal love that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Um, and then his faithfulness. And we'll talk about faithfulness, the God of faithfulness, um, uh, in a couple, three weeks. Number four, knowing God's sovereignty. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. This, this is uh, um, probably the pinnacle verse of God's sovereignty in the Bible. And this is, that is certainly, in my opinion... All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? God does what he wills, when he wants it, when he wants to do it. And that's number four, know God's sovereignty. And number five, know where to find true riches. Where do we find true riches? 
God alone. That's a great song. I love that hymn. God, God alone. Um, I don't think we've sang that hymn since I've been here, and we've been we've been here since November of last year. Not last year, a year ago. So, um, 2013. That's a wonderful hymn. You guys know what hymn I'm talking about? Yeah, that's wonderful. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. That's where we find our true riches, in God. So uh, we'll just conclude, uh, and we're not going to get into the, uh, the, the power of God. Uh, we'll just conclude here. You must know God well enough to be satisfied that He is enough for you. I'll just repeat that again. We have to know God well enough to, to know in other words, I'm not just talking about intellectually, to live as if He is enough for us. If we're not living that way, that simply means that we don't know Him well enough and we're not abiding in Him. And so um, we'll talk more next week about beholding um, the God of power. Okay. Um, all right, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for um, your, your, your majesty. We thank you for your power. Uh, we thank you, Father, for your glory. Uh, we thank you for your sovereign control, for um, your greatness and your goodness. And we ask that you would so work in our hearts, Lord, this godly maturity that contains with it contentment. And we ask, Lord, that we would be ambitious uh, as we seek you and your righteousness and know and believe with all of our heart that you will add everything that we need in this life to us. And we pray that we might do it for your glory and in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. I touched base with Kathy and Don this morning to see how they're doing yeah. in the Peckies, and they said hello. Oh, okay. Doing well. They're, they're sort of living, living in chaos. So. And the church was called off this morning because it's so, oh, I don't know who's going to. But their kitchen goes in on Tuesday, so then after that they feel like the house. Yeah. And for any 